One of our D&D party members actually drank lava. The story began at our 14th level, with my companions and I journeying across the plains in search of adventure. We were in the elemental plane of fire during Ragnarok, a time when Surtur, the apocalyptic fire giant, was slowly taking form to unleash his wrath upon the prime material. I tell you, it was some wild stuff. Our party consisted of Arthos, a rugged dwarf fighter played by my friend Tim, Verity, a cunning elf rogue portrayed by our friend Sarah, Tormund, a brash human barbarian helmed by our buddy Pete, and me, Thorin, a wise half-elf druid, who also happened to be the resident medical expert of the group. To maintain some semblance of normalcy amid the fiery chaos, we decided to mingle with the local populace, the Azur. These were dwarven beings with flame instead of hair and beards, dancing atop their heads like small infernos. Keen to gain their favor and to blend in, we found ourselves in a local tavern, sharing drinks and stories. One such drink, however, was not your typical ale, but a tankard of molten lava. Now Tormund being Tormund decided it would be a great idea to chug this scalding beverage. Pete in his usual over-the-top manner rolled for Tormund, his eyes wide with foolish glee. A gasp echoed around our table as the die landed, a natural 20 on his constitution save. We all looked on aghast as our DM Cindy described the scene. Against all reason, she narrated with a wicked grin. Tormund lifts the lava to his lips and drinks. The hot magma sears his throat, dealing a whopping 80 fire damage. We watched helplessly laughing, as Pete theatrically mimicked Tormund's painful reaction. Pete then grabbed his die again, this time rolling a 19 on his performance check to play off the scorching pain. Nope, not nearly enough, my friend, Cindy chided, shaking her head with mirth. Your jaw is melting off, and everyone can see you're in agony. Acting as Thorin, I quickly rolled for a heal check, stepping in to perform some emergency druidic treatment on Torment. I could only imagine Thorin's dismay at having to heal such a preventable injury. The table was alive with laughter, our friend's idiocy turning our dangerous adventure into a ridiculous farce. As I bandaged up Torment's jaw, Cindy described the Azur's reaction to our antics. They roar with laughter at Torment's foolishness, clapping him on the back as they raise their drinks in a toast. You have, in the most unexpected way, earned their respect. In the aftermath of this hilariously catastrophic event, we found ourselves suddenly favored among the Azur. We had become local legends in the Plain of Fire, our bizarre tales spreading like wildfire. With this newfound acceptance, we were granted access to the Azur's legendary forges. As a bonus, we received a few fire-resistance potions from these fiery folk, their faces alight with grins and respect for our outrageous bravery. Thus, it was through a comical combination of hubris, pain, and hilarious mishaps that we became the talk of the town, securing our place in the elemental plane of fire. As we prepared to venture forth into the chaos of Ragnarok, we couldn't help but share a collective chuckle. If we could survive torment drinking lava, surely we could face whatever fiery trials awaited us next. Players getting away with crazy antics is one of the best things about D&D. Listen to how this next player actually succeeds with a nat 1. I sat at the table with my fellow adventurers, ready for another thrilling session of Dungeons & Dragons. The room was filled with excitement as we prepared to delve into a treacherous mansion owned by a cultist group. The party consisted of three brave souls. Thorn, the druid, that was me, skilled in the ways of nature. Flynn, the cunning rogue, always ready to seize an opportunity. And Valyria, the enigmatic warlock, with her dark powers and mysterious demeanor. Our dungeon master, a master of storytelling, led us through our epic quest. We had reached a room filled with paintings, their frames adorned with intricate designs. Curiosity got the better of Flynn as he approached one of the paintings, attempting to determine its worth. To our horror, the seemingly innocent artwork revealed its true nature, a mimic, 
a monstrous creature that had been lying in wait. It sprang to life, accompanied by a horde of hidden minions, hungering for our flesh. The battle ensued and we fought valiantly, striking blow after blow against the creatures that assailed us. Despite our efforts, we found ourselves battered and bruised, our health dangerously low. The mimic, its slimy tendrils constricting Valyria, stood as the final obstacle between victory and defeat. As the mimic's turn came to an end, I found myself standing amidst the chaos. I had exhausted my spell slots, leaving me with only one option. My trusty cantrip produced flame. Determination surged through me as I channeled the druidic energy within, casting the spell towards the mimic. However, fate had other plans in store for me. I rolled the dice, and it happened. A natural one. The DM's voice filled the air, narrating the consequence of my terrible roll. My aim was so far off that the fire soared upward, striking the chandeliers suspended above us. Panic set in as I realized the rope holding the heavy fixture began to smolder and catch fire. In an instant, the room was plunged into chaos as I hastily moved out of harm's way. With a flicker of inspiration, a daring thought crossed my mind. Wait a moment, I called out to the dungeon master, my voice trembling with anticipation. Is the chandelier also above the rogue and warlock? The DM paused for a moment, considering the implications of my query. Finally, with a nod, they confirmed that indeed the chandelier loomed above our companions, inadvertently placed in harm's way by my failed spellcasting attempt. An idea began to form, a desperate plan that had the potential to turn the tide in our favor. Aha! I exclaimed, a glimmer of hope igniting in my eyes. Since the chandelier is above the warlock, it must also be above the mimic, grappling him tightly. The revelation hung in the air. As the group absorbed the implications of my revelation, the rogue, without needing further explanation, sprang into action. Swift as a shadow, Flynn darted from beneath the threatened chandelier, a dagger gleaming in their hand. With precision born of necessity, they launched the blade towards the flaming rope. We watched with bated breath as the dice clattered across the table, determining the outcome of Flynn's daring throw. It seemed to roll for an eternity before finally coming to rest. A four. However, with the rogue's exceptional skill, the roll was accompanied by a remarkable modifier of plus five, bringing the total to nine. The DM's eyes narrowed, tension mounting in the room as they made their decision. Then with a grin, they spoke just two words that hung in the air, electrifying the moment. That hits. Time seemed to slow as the dagger struck true, severing the charred rope. The chandelier, a massive weight of metal and crystal, crashed down upon the mimic with a resounding crash. In the chaos, the warlock managed to shield themselves partially with the mimic's thrashing form, mitigating the damage they would have otherwise suffered. As the mimic let out a final agonized shriek, the room fell silent. The battle was won, our victory snatched from the jaws of defeat. Relief washed over us as we realized that we had survived against all odds. Even when faced with a disastrous roll, ingenuity and a keen awareness of our surroundings could transform a dire situation into a win-win. This next story is what happens when the players bring a little bit of their real-life crazy to the table. I've spent over two years with my paladin character. As a result of that, I know the slightest details of his way of thinking. Just random quirks that have been accumulated over all the sessions. Early in the game, my character married an NPC. This was really just a way to conclude a story arc for the paladin as neither I nor the DM were interested into exploring that relationship deeper. When I could not make it to the game, the character was with his wife. Whenever planning or choosing his goals and motivations, having a wife was something the paladin always took into consideration. The wife NPC existed as a matter of practicality, almost a blank character that would rarely show up. Cut to the last session. A new player joins the table. She's a friend to all the other players in the DM. I've seen her a couple times before. 
Over the years and through other games as well, the rest of the table adapted this all-welcoming approach, where you basically have to roll with everything. It got to the point where yes and became a hard rule at the table. The new player inhabits the wife NPC, because yay it would be so fun. And look, she has the ring of water walking my paladin proposed with. I said it was a bad idea, but nobody agreed. It only took 20 minutes in-game before an argument. Since she has full control of said character, she's now effectively rewriting my paladin, because it was his choice of a spouse, which has been pretty much one of her only characteristics till that point. Suddenly I learn that my paladin has been putting up with her infidelity for eight in-game years. Open relationship, just to name the worst of things. I suggested a divorce. I'm not planning to turn evil and kill her character. I'm not planning to kill the paladin. It just looked like the most reasonable choice. The players started crying. The whole table is now angry at me. What do? I've managed to glean some insights through another player. Multiple things going on. Firstly, the wife player IRL is in a failing relationship. By which I mean it should have been over months ago, but it just keeps dragging on and on. So she dreads the idea of splitting up and is constantly on edge because of this topic. The DM was unaware. What happened was she was told D&D was a role-playing game and that she could make a character and even be someone's sibling, etc. She said, yeah, I'd like to be in a stable relationship. By lack of thought, DM makes a connection in his head. No problem, OP has a wife, who's already been established in the story, and has some magical items. So as some Redditors have theorized, no, the player's not into me. In fact, it's not about me at all. The NPC has until that point been jokingly called nondescript wife. Notice not a wife, just wife. This has backfired because the DM has effectively given the player a blank check, and she went full-on unrestricted character creation. As much as I've had an idea of what the relationship between the characters was, from the two plus years of playing, she's constructed her own idea. She wasn't straight up told she could do anything, but that's how she interpreted it. Note, DM had provided some basics, such as where she comes from, whom she knows, etc., but was still unaware of how deeply she would delve into the intricacies of the relationship, since again it was a character. Who in his right mind would think 95% of anything character-related would be the relationship? All which was discussed with the DM was the choice of weapon, etc., some of you have suggested I should turn evil, but inversely to wife PC, my character is 95% about other things than that marriage. He's running the whole paladin shtick, making political allies, always leading by example, which probably led to the DM's vision of stable relationship. It would make no sense to suddenly turn evil and kill all of his allies, which he has known longer than wife. The table does have a problematic way of dealing with this sort of situation, as a generally accepted attitude is hand-waving everything away by, come on, it'll be fun. In some situations, it came off as weird to me, but it's never been used this directly against a player, and never on this scale. Usually, it was just a matter of using a dumb plan instead of an effective one, which indeed tends to be fun. It is baffling to me that after devoting so much time, both in-game and out of it, the group just does not take the game seriously enough to think of consequences for a second, which, if anything, should be the main reason for me to leave the group, as many of you were suggesting. Right now, we're at the awkward stage of damage control, which I take part in, the new player was just completely new to the whole TTRPG world, and it's unclear whether she would be joining us the next session, mostly now dependent on her choice. Now, admittedly, the DM did screw up, but I see how he got the idea. As an experienced player, I'm always eager to guide newbies and support the team as a whole. Out of game support, my in-character support is hard to earn. So when she asked for a stable relationship, who else to plug in than the paladin whose word is equal to a written contract? It was one of those creative moments when everything falls in place perfectly from the DM perspective, and probably what clouded his judgment. Because of this complication, possible reworking of a character and or retcons, it's now uncertain when the next session would be, but I would not expect more than three weeks from now. 
It should be fine. The game should keep going. I'll let you know, but for now I think the main drama part is over. Unrealistic expectations in D&D. Name a more iconic duo. I'm glad they managed to sort out the drama and move past the initial mistake the DM made. Please share your crazy stories in the comments below. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel All Things D&D. Stay tuned for more amazing Dungeons & Dragons content.